Well, praise the Lord. Welcome to the broadcast today. Uh, cross time with Pastor Curtis. Sometimes I forget what broadcast, since I'm doing two or three or four. Uh, this is our Friday morning broadcast. Uh, cross time with Pastor Curtis. We are in the book of Galatians and this is our second session. As you can see on our old timey chalkboard, today's the 17th of November, 2017. And I also have the website up there that you can donate online to help us do what we do here at Crossway Church. Or you can send it in to the physical address there on the board as well. And uh, we just had a, we just ended a year long, I think it was 51 weeks of teaching on the book of Galatians, uh, Ephesians. And now we've moved into the book of Galatians. But before we dig into that today, I always want to give you an opportunity to see the little 62 page booklet that I've written based on Psalms 33, 4 that says the word of the Lord is right and all his works are done in truth. It's very special and dear to us who know who and what the truth is, Christ and him crucified. And when we know the truth, and what it is that makes Jesus the truth to us, and then we see God tell us that's all he works in, this this little booklet will help you. It'll bring clarity uh, to the Scriptures for you and clear up some things that have been confusion, and it'll help you in lots of many areas. And I just pray that you'd consider getting this. It's only $15. We'll send it to you, and you will surely be blessed. Amen. Praise God. If you're anywhere in our area, in Queen City, Atlanta, Texarkana, Linden, Bivens, wherever, right around this area, on these Friday morning teachings, this is not a crossway church service. This is a Bible study for whoever wants to come and attend. You can go to church across town. You can be wherever you want to. You know, this is not trying to get folk in our church. This is trying to get folks in the Word of God. Because it's there you're going to really find what you need when your faith comes by hearing God speak to you. So bring your Bibles, your pencil, paper with us on Friday mornings right here in the studio, right behind the church building, right here at this address. So if you live anywhere in this area, we want you to come be a part of this one-hour-long Bible study on Friday mornings. Praise God. Uh, last week, we or a week before last, we dove into the letter to this, to the churches, plural, uh, in Galatia. Paul wrote this letter, intended on this letter to be, uh, sent around in a circuit or to pa- be passed along some way. And he wrote this letter because, uh, not long after he'd preached the gospel and saw many saved and signs and wonders and miracles take place, the Judaizers, which always follow those around preaching the true message of faith and grace, the message of the cross, begin to try to pull the people out of the faith back into law, back into circumcision, back under having to keep the law if they really wanted to be saved. And I personally believe that those were the messengers of Satan that were sent uh, by Satan to buffet Paul. Everywhere he'd go preach, people would get saved, and right behind him would come the messengers of Satan that were a thorn in his flesh that were attempting to destroy what God through him was building. Amen. So, uh, and, and, and last week we talked about verse 1, how Paul said he was an apostle, not of men, neither by men, but of Jesus Christ, and God the Father who raised him from the dead, and, and how he had to start uh, talking about uh, who he was and why he was and who gave him this authority and, and the right to be uh, 
who he was and what he was doing, the call on his life, the gifting he had. And, and we'll get more into that in just a minute. But before we do, let's ask the Lord for his presence and his power this morning. Let's ask the Lord for a greater revelation of Jesus Christ. All right? Father, we thank you today. We thank you for the opportunity to, to be in your word, Lord. So many millions, uh, Lord, do not even have a Bible. And Lord, here we are with the word of God with ten copies or more. And I pray that we'd be found in your word, studying your word, not just thinking that you're some mystical, magical God that's going to show up and do whatever is needed anytime, but you've called us to be students of your word. You've called us to cry out to you for knowledge and wisdom and understanding so that we can, Lord, have an understanding of you, know which way to go every single time, that we can understand and sense the leading of your spirit and that your knowledge will become pleasant to our soul. And I pray this morning that we would all receive a greater revelation of Jesus Christ and who he is to us, what he's done for us up the cross and how that can affect us today even as we study this lesson letter to the churches in Galatia, and we ask it all in Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. Let me just say this. I believe that every time, and the Lord, I believe, wants me to say this. Every time I minister the Word of God, I expect if it's teaching, I expect if it's preaching, I expect God to do something mighty. Whether it's changed something in me, whether it's changed something outward on me, whether I don't miracles and signs and wonders we're going to see in the days ahead, but beginning on this day. Amen. I'm not always talking about the future. The days ahead, yesterday was right now. So every time we teach, every time we preach the gospel, and our true desire is to have a greater revelation of this one who gave his life for us and was raised from the dead on the third day to be the mediator of the benefits of this new covenant, I'm going to be in an expectation for you to receive miracles that you need. The provision that you need, more than teaching, more than preaching, but a move of God's Spirit right where you are, whether you're watching online or you're in this studio and you got people in your family that needs to be saved and delivered or you need to be delivered and move forward in the things of God. So let's have a great expectation every time we come together, no matter where it's at, from this day forward, a great expectation for God to move, for God to move in and have His way. Praise be to God. And so last couple of weeks ago, we missed last week because I was in Ohio ministering the gospel. And so two weeks ago, we talked about Paul trying to get the people to see that he was called of God, not man. And he had to do this because the attack was on his calling, on his gifting, who he was claiming God had made him. But you know what? The fruit is always there. If God's called you, the fruit's always there. And the fruit was there. Paul had traveled and preached this message of the cross, the gospel, and folks were saved. Hey, that's fruit right there. And signs and wonders are, and miracles were worked uh, at the hands of Paul. And, and you know what? And, and we, we have a tendency to believe that the apostle Paul really didn't have anybody there confirming him because, you know, he, he, you know, he didn't hang out with Peter and the boys, but maybe just a short season. And he didn't just start running with them immediately. He he ran off out in the wilderness for three years, was out there, and all he had out there was the Spirit of God now that he was saved, and Genesis through Malachi, that's all he had. But Jesus said the Scriptures were about him, so he had the Holy Spirit reteaching him the Scriptures about Jesus, because that's who the Holy Spirit comes to teach us about. 
Jesus. If he's not teaching you about Jesus, then you know that ain't the Holy Spirit. Amen. The Holy Spirit don't come and tell you how to cut your steak at the steakhouse. The Holy Spirit comes and talks about Jesus. Praise God. But there is something I promised to share with you uh, uh, about Paul's conversion. How many of you remember that now? How Paul was converted uh, on the road to Damascus. He was saved. He was delivered from the law and brought under the faith, he, under grace. He, he, he recognized that this was the Lord Jesus he'd been persecuting by persecuting the church. And if you want to, let's look in the book of Acts today. And I don't know, this might not take very long or it might take a week or two. I'm not sure. It doesn't really matter. I'm praying the rapture happens before I'm through teaching today anyway. So, and that will be the end of my teaching. <laughs> Praise God. So, in the book of Acts, we're going to just uh, start reading in verse 1. We're, ju we're just going to read through this. And and I, I don't, I, I, you know, we don't have to be in a hurry. And I want us to understand now, before we get into this, what I believe the Lord is wanting us to see is there's always somebody God uses to confirm your calling. It wasn't just that Barnabas saw the fruit of the Lord in Paul's life and, 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 the, and the Lord used Barnabas to ease Paul into the fellowship because Barnabas was a believer, a faithful believer, and a good guy and, a, and an encourager. The Bible lets us know the, Barnabas was an encourager. But there was more than Barnabas. And, and, you know, I didn't really ever think about this until the last couple of days looking at this. But I want us to read this Acts chapter 9. Verse 1, And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went into the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, that's the way we're on, faith in Christ, whether they were men or women, that he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the pricks. Notice that comment right there lets us know that Paul was already under the convicting power of the Holy Spirit before this. And we'll, and we'll read that in a minute as well. And he's already been kicking. He's already been fighting against conviction. You see, when you're, that's when you get the angriest. That's when you carry out the most anger, bitterness, and, and that's when you get belligerent the most is right before your conversion. Because, man, let me tell you something. The devil don't want you to get saved. Your flesh is not excited about getting saved and turning your life over to Christ. And, man, right before you do, you will sometimes just get belligerent about it. Verse 6, And he trembling and astonished said, Lord, what will you have me to do? See, that's the first thing a true believer, a true born-again child of God will say, what's your will? Which, where do I go to church? What do I do? What do I do? That, because that's in the heart of a, child, a fresh baby. How do I please my Father now? What do you want me to do? What will you have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told you what you must do. 
Now see, this is another fine proof here that God uses people to minister through. God could have just told him right there. Amen? But God didn't tell him right there. God said, get up, go into the city, and there it will be told you what to do. And see, God doesn't just give you the whole plan, just like he did in Paul here, just like he did in Abraham. Get up and get out, and I'll take you to the land of promise. I'm not giving you a map, son. I'm just telling you to get up and get out. Once you get up and get out, I'll give you tomorrow's direction. But when God's telling you to get up and get out, you got to get up and get out. Even if you don't know which way you're going tomorrow, tomorrow doesn't matter. Today's all that matters. Now, faith is the substance, and faith comes by hearing God. That means obeying God. Amen? Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told you what you must do. And the men which journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no man. And Saul arose from the earth, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no man. But they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And he was there three days without sight, and neither did eat nor drink. And I'm going to tell you this morning, you wouldn't even be hungry if you had an experience like that. Food would be the last thing on your mind. And there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him the Lord said in a vision, Ananias, he said, Behold, I'm here, Lord. And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the street, which is called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he's praying. And has seen in a vision you, a man named Ananias, coming in and putting his hands on him that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard by many of this man how much evil he has done to thy saints of Jerusalem. And there he has authority from the chief priest to bind all that call on thy name. Here is Ananias doing what we do so well. We're very talented and we're professionals at trying to talk God out of what he is attempting to talk us into. We will make every excuse on the planet as to why we cannot do what we know God is telling us to do. We'll come up with every excuse as to why we can't go to church on Sunday, why we can't study the Word, why we can't give tithes and offerings. Listen to me carefully. While we know every bit of it God has spoken to us in His Word for us. Oh, we want to run to the Word of God for a miracle when we need one, but we don't want to run to Him just for simple obedience every day. See, that's our flesh. We, we, we say, I've given my heart to the Lord, but where's your heart at? In your big toe? You, your heart is who you are holy. You've given yourself to the Lord. Amen? Amen. So here's, here's Ananias because he's seen negative things. He's, he's seen what Paul has obviously been doing. He's been imprisoning men and women because their faith was in Christ. And, and, and he was convicted over this. Paul, I'm going to tell you right now, I personally believe that even though Paul was putting those folks in prison, he was not a hundred, I know he wasn't. He was not a hundred percent sure that they were wrong and he was right. And this is how I know, because the only full assurance of faith you can have comes by the work of the Holy Spirit who gives that to us as our faith is in Christ. 
And in Christ alone, people whose faith today is in the words they speak, they don't have the full assurance of faith I've got. They can't have it. People whose faith is in their fasting and in their prayer and in everything they do, they cannot have the full assurance of faith that I have. My faith is in Christ and Him crucified, buried and raised from the dead. Hallelujah. And I have a, I have a full assurance of faith and everybody else is just faking it till they make it, play and make believe. Because they can't have it. You can't have it. It's there for you, but you can't have it till you surrender to Christ and what He did at Calvary for you. Praise God. He says, But the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me, to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel, for I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. Now, I wanted to share this with you, first of all, because I told you I would two weeks ago, how uh, this is a confirmation through a man that Paul was called and would have the mission from God that he had. Most people don't think about that. They think that Barnabas was just the one used to usher him in. But Ananias, God spoke to him in prayer and said, there's another man praying right now. And in a vision, he's seeing you come lay your hands on him. God moves in might to put people together. I'm telling you, the reason we're together this morning is because God was able to get through to our hearts about where He wanted to plant us, where it pleases Him in the house of God. And when we get where God wants us, then God can move in might and begin to bring a great increase to His plan in our lives. Glory be to God. And now, uh, the, uh, if you'll back up a couple of verses, oh, in, in chapter 6 of the book of Acts, uh, and, and I'm not going to read all this, but I, but I do want to just, you can make a note of this. Like verses, chapter 6 of Acts, uh, verses 8 through 15, and then the rest of chapter 7, if you're taking notes. That's Acts 6, 8 through 14, and Acts, the whole 7th chapter of Acts. And what happens here, because lack of time, we don't, we don't have time to go and read all this, but Stephen was a disciple. I mean, uh, he was a deacon, man, he, and he was, he was full of the Spirit of God and wisdom, and, and God through him worked miracles, worked miracles. And he is living for God, and the power of God is on his life, and those who are just religious can't stand it. They couldn't stand it, and they rushed on him, and, and they couldn't find any flaws uh, in what he was saying. Uh, I like this. I, I like, in verse 10 of Acts 6, and maybe we do need to make a reference to this, they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spoke. That means they could not come up with anything from the Word of God that ref would refute what He was preaching, what He was teaching. And that's where we need to walk. We need to use God's Word in truth that cannot be refuted. When people come along and say, yeah, but we believe this, we need to be able to say to them, well, God's Word says this. Are, do, are you a believer in God's Word? talked about it before class today. You know, like people that claim to be Catholics, they have their own Bible, but I got, I got bad news for them folks. They have no authority to change God's Word, and God's Word was here first. Amen. Amen. 
And they, these people came and they could not refute him. It says here that they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spoke. And they, uh, um, uh, then they had to make up lies on him. Because if they can't refute what you're preaching, then they begin to kill your character. Well, he's done this, he's done that. He's, you know, and they make up lies on you if you're preaching the truth. And they brought him to the they bound him and brought him to the council. And what Stephen did is spectacular. Stephen went back, being held in chains, more than likely there. I mean, bound, and they brought him as a prisoner before the council, as somebody who was claiming that the, the, the law wasn't worthy, that you know they weren't under the law anymore, and this temple is going to be torn down. Same thing that Jesus taught. Amen. And the thing, same thing that Paul would later teach, but at the point he was, man, he, Paul was dizzy today. You hear me? Paul, he, he, Paul, before he was Paul, he was Saul, and he was out there watching all this. He watched this whole story. Before his conversion, he watched this whole story. That's why I say, the Lord told him, you can't kick against the pricks. You, you're not going to be able to win against this conviction that's in your heart. He'd already watched this whole story of Stephen. And Stephen went back and from the beginning preached Christ. He, he preached the whole lineage all the way up to where they were that day. Christ had come and was the fulfiller that Moses, the one you claim you follow, said he would, that God would raise up one of our own brothers in our own midst. And Stephen went as far as to say, who you stiff-necked, wicked rulers of today, just like all the fathers have persecuted, and killed all the prophets are doing the same thing over again today. But he, but he preached the gospel. He preached Christ. And they went ahead and stoned him and killed him. And young Saul laying out there, they just dropped their cloaks by him so he could keep, keep their cloaks while they went and stoned him. And I, he had to watch all this. God was already working in his heart through conviction because Stephen preached Christ before he died. Because Saul had to be standing out there thinking, man, why won't this guy change his story? They're about to kill him. You know, and, and, and Jesus, he meant when he showed up and said, it's hard. You're not going to be able to kick against the pricks. Man, you're under conviction. I'm the Lord. And the one that he was persecuting showed up. And I wanted to share that this morning because Paul knew who it was that called him. Gave him the authority. And it wasn't just that God called him. God called him through even Ananias. I wanted to bring that to the attention of the people this morning in our teaching. That God always uses people to recognize the giftings and the callings of other people. And upon saying that, I want to say this. If God, if you're walking in the will of the Lord for your life individually, there's going to be an increased sanctifying growth in your life. If your marriage is walking in this faith, there's going to be a an increase of what God is doing in this sanctifying work in your marriage. If you are truly, you better hear me this morning, some of you need to hear me. If you are truly called to pastor a church and you're walking in God's will, there's going to be an increase of that calling, that increase, an increase of that on your life. 
It's going to be more than a little 40-year, five-person Bible study. If God's in it, there is increase. And if there is not increase, you need to step back, swallow your pride, get humble, and say, okay, who do I need to be under? Where do I need to go serve? Not being ugly, but there's just way too many churches in small, little, compact areas. And folks just need to say, God, forgive me. I just had to have it my way. But today, Lord, I'll just shut it down, turn this one into a food pantry, and move in with them. And what a greater work can you do? And that one over there can become a clothing place and we can do this over there. We can have a, a Christian school over there and that used to be church, but can still be a church building. But it, we can have a school now. We can have a food pantry now. We can have a clothing now. My Lord, what could we have if we just get back in the place where God brings the increase and we just quit making excuses as to why we're not increasing? If God is in it, it is on the increase, whether it's individually, it's a marriage, a family, or it is a local church with a true calling of one of the five gifts, and God is in it, it will increase. Hallelujah. I don't care who gets mad. I don't care who gets glad. I'm going to keep telling it like He is. If He's in it, even if it looks like He's not at the beginning, if He's in it, it will increase and it will increase, and it will increase. Amen. Now, that needs to be said today. Some of you watching, you're not going to like it. Bless God, I know He's called me, and I'm just sticking to it. No, it, there better be increase in the ministry. God may adding to the ministry. Amen. It's got to say what needs to be said. Sometimes it hurts, but thank God for somebody that will. So, I think we're going to start, I'm not going back over the first couple of verses, we're going to start today in verse 3. Galatians 1 and 3. What time is all? got 35 minutes left. And y'all have already taken so much of my time this morning. Galatians 1 and 3. Grace be to you, and peace from God the Father, and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, we need to first of all know that grace and peace won't come because Paul tells us, sends it to me. And grace and peace won't come because I read the letter that God gave Paul to give me. Grace and peace only comes through my faith in the cross. Amen. Watch this, verse 3. And, and sometimes we just need to tie a couple of verses together because, uh, and, and let's always remind ourselves when these things were written, they were not chapter and verses. Those chapters and verses were added to help us to keep our place to know where certain things are. This was a letter. Just a letter penned. So watch this. Grace be to you and peace from God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave Himself for our sins. Do you see what the Holy Spirit immediately has to say to, to show the avenue for this grace and peace to flow into my life? Colossians 1.20 says, He made my peace by the blood of His cross. And we know that grace only comes to us through faith in the cross because we're saved by grace. 
And we're saved by the blood of Jesus, His death on Calvary's cross. That is the grace of God manifested. Not only the love of God, the judgment of God against sin, but it is the grace of God being poured out to men through the death of Jesus. Hallelujah. And I'm telling you, that grace is so great that it can save every man, woman, and child who will ever live if they will believe in Christ and what He did at Calvary for their initial salvation and daily sanctification. They can walk in that victory all the days of their life. Praise be to God. But He says, grace and peace be to you from God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. And... Paul knew that if they would accept what it was the Lord was sending to them by him, that they would be able to receive this grace and peace. Because it's not mystical. I'll say it for the rest of my life. It's not mystical. It's not magical. You don't just step into the grace of God one day because you fed a hungry person. No, that's works. And grace don't come by works. Grace comes by faith. We're saved by grace through faith. And any grace taking place in my life is not mystical and magical, not just God doing something anyway. All of God's grace, whether it's us being taught by grace, Titus chapter 2, or as Paul said, all his labor was by the grace of God. Anything to do with God's grace, which is God doing something in your life that's good, that needs to be done, that you can't do, any grace that takes place always happens through our faith. Initial faith in the cross of Christ to be born again, we were saved. Daily we are to stand in this grace. Hallelujah, the Bible says. We are to stand in this grace. Praise God. Or we cannot, by faith, if, we're, if our faith doesn't remain in the cross, we cannot have grace. Grace is not a one-time impartation. Well, now you've got the grace of God. Now you're under the grace of God. And that's just it. Even in your failures and all that, even when you go out and start listening to false preachers and you put your faith in this and that, that's not the cross and that you're still under grace. That's not The reason Galatians was written, this letter to the Galatian churches, was because that, what I just said, is not true. If you start following men who have ministries that are named the believer's voice of victory, their faith is in the words they speak, then your faith is no longer in the cross, but it's in your voice of victory. Then you're no longer under grace, you're under law. And anything, anybody that comes to refute what I just said, they will never sit down with me in God's Word because they cannot refute it. They cannot stand against the wisdom and the power of God. I was on Facebook for three hours yesterday morning, off and on for about a three-hour period with a gentleman who's uh, living overseas, and he just could not grasp uh, faith in the cross alone. He could not grasp that. He called himself a prophet. I knew immediately there was a problem. So I told him the spirit of prophecy, and he didn't really go for that. He didn't really go for anything, I told him, because his faith is just really, it's not in the cross. It might have been to get him in the kingdom, but now his faith is in all sorts of things. And you know what? He's most miserable. He is most miserable because he cannot have God's grace. If you're walking under the law, 
and your faith is in all that you're doing instead of the cross alone, the Spirit of God's not even leading you. I love Galatians 5.18. It says, those that are led of the Spirit of God are not under law. That means the Holy Spirit will not lead you to put your faith in anything other than the cross. Because only when our faith is in the cross can He lead us in grace. And I've got a Bible to prove it, praise God. Hmm. He mentions the Father and the Son, Jesus Christ, as our fellowship is with both the Father and the Son, and their fellowship is always in unity as one. First John 1 John 1.3 says that, That which we have seen and heard we declare unto you that we also may have fellowship, that you may also have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And we've already mentioned it, but and, and I want to say something else about this, if we're going to notice this. Notice in verse 3, but let's look at verse 1, rather. I want to show you something before we just move on. Paul, an apostle, not of men, neither by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father. Everybody say, God the Father who raised him from the dead, and all the brethren which are with me unto the churches of Galatia, grace be to you in peace from God the Father, everybody say God the Father, and from our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God and our Father. Everybody say our Father. He is trying to make a point here that these these Judaizers who are following him around, trying to drag them back into a place where they're fallen from grace, and God cannot work. But I mean, and God can't work. Paul said, if they come preaching any other gospel other than what I've preached, let them be accursed. What is accursed? Accursed is people who are in a place where God can't work. Let me tell you, my friend, if you're walking in a place that God can't work in your life, and it's called, as a Christian, falling from grace, falling from that place where God can work, you're walking as an accursed child of God. A a place of being accursed. That's what Paul said. They're accursed if they walk, if if they're believing any other gospel than what Paul preached. Then let them be what they are, accursed. Let me say it again. Who are people who are accursed? People who are without the help of God. I've been there. The guy from overseas yesterday, he, when I gave him scriptures in Galatians 6, 14 and 1 Corinthians 1, 18 about Paul boast only in the cross, the preaching of the cross is the power of God, he said, oh, that was only for those two churches. Oh, so God only wanted those two churches to know that. Everybody else, I don't like using that word and I'm not going to this morning, so. My wife gets on to me for being a little uh, uh, tacky sometimes. So I'm learning to do better. I'm learning to be gentle. It's taken me many years, and I'm still not there, but I'm on my way. Hallelujah. wanted to point out this this morning in this teaching. We saw just now in the first 
portion of this letter to these churches that although the Judaizers had known for centuries God is creator, God is commander, God is this and God is that, Paul is trying to remind them, you now know God as your heavenly Father. Faithful Father. You have a faithful Father. This relationship you have is with His Son He sent that got you this relationship with your faithful Heavenly Father. See how important that is that you know you've got a Heavenly Father that loves you, that created all things for you. Even when we threw it away in sin, He came rushing back into us because He's the one that couldn't stand the distance between us that we made because He loves us. He is a faithful Creator, Peter wrote. A faithful Creator. That means He's faithful to His creation and He's most faithful to His most precious creation, which is that that He created in His own image. Praise God. That be us, my friend. That be us. We were created in His image. And He wants us to know that when He's talking through Paul to these churches and to us today, that not only are your, is your faith in Christ and what He did at Calvary, but my Lord, look at what that got you. That got you your way to the Father. Now the first thing when you're born again, you cry, Abba, Father, hallelujah. You've got a heavenly Father now that's concerned about you, that is about you, that loves you so much He gave His Son for you, gave up His Son that He might come and be given for us on the cross. We're talking about a great love here that we can't fathom. The best we can do is look at Calvary to see the extent of that love and grow in the love we have for Him through that faith that works by that love, praise God, that He had for us. Amen? So we want, we needed to point that out this morning that he's, he's reminding them in these first few verses like, what is it, like three times in five verses that he's reminding us of God the Father. You have a Father. His, Jesus is always trying to glorify His Father. That's His whole purpose. He came to take away our sins, but what, what did He do for the Father in doing that? He glorified His Father. And the Father glorified the Son. Man, and if we get all mixed up and tied up in the glory of God, we're going to find that blessed place. Hallelujah. If you get involved where the God, where the God the Father is glorifying the Son and the Son's glorifying the Father, you're walking in the will of God and experiencing the power and the benefits of Calvary. Jesus said, if you pray to my Father in heaven, in my name, I'll do it. I'll do it. I need to say it one more time. I'll do it that my Father be glorified in me. See, it's all about God being glorified. That's why I've started praying, Lord, I pray that You'd heal them for the glory of Your name. Your Son said, if I ask You anything in His name, in His name, for the majesty in His name's sake, that You would, that He would do it and that You would be glorified in Him. Hallelujah. Glory to God. If you get all caught up in the glory of God, and that ain't in a room with some purple smoke going, oh, the glory. No, the glory is coming back to Calvary, my friend, where God glorified His Son, and His Son glorified the Father, and you put your faith in that, you walking in the glory. You're walking in it. Hallelujah. 
You're walking in the glory. You don't have to beg. Oh, let your glory fall. You've already got that hope of glory living in you. All you got to do is come back to Calvary, my friend, and know that you've got a heavenly Father that loves you so much He gave His Son. His Son loves you so much He came and volunteered His life through obedience on the cross. And you've got the Holy Ghost here today that loves you so much He just won't stop. He just won't stop talking about it. Hallelujah. That's all He wants to talk about is what glorifies the Father. That's why Jesus said when He comes, He's going to talk about me because I am the brightness of my God's glory and the fullness of His image. Hallelujah. Y'all done done something in here this morning. Hallelujah. You want to get in the glory, then get in Christ and walk in Christ, abide in Christ and let His Word abide in you. Praise be to God. Man, we have a church in here this morning. All these churches, and you know why they're begging for the glory? Oh, let the glory fall. Well, preach the cross. Preach the cross. It ain't coming. You're not, and anything that does come ain't going to be the glory. And the glory ain't going to fall in that house unless the message of truth is right. Oh, well, we don't have to know all that for the... Oh, yes, you do. Oh, yes, you do. Oh, you listen, if you don't know what makes the glory fall, what causes the presence of God to be rich and powerful, then you, out of the will of God, the wrong message puts you out of the will of God, and then you'll start... Emotions can become prevalent. And the whole service will be moved by emotions and feelings that will make the hair on your neck stand up. But it won't be the glory. And it won't be God. Mm. There is a God of emotions, the God of leisure, the God of comfort. But you will not have that experience you're crying out to God for until you come back to the cross. The cross is our entrance into Christ. And Christ is our entrance to the Father. Without the cross, you have neither. You have no experience of neither. Not even after you're a child of God. So, he says in verse 3, Grace, what God wants to do in your life that you can't do, be unto you. And peace, that assurance in your heart that you can have, with God and in this world presently, among men, this peace from God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave Himself for our sins, that He might deliver us from this present evil world, according to the will of God and our Father. If you will allow the Lord to bring you back to Calvary to get your attention back on the cross, the guy yesterday overseas says, well, there's not, there's not a cross in heaven. No, but the one is there with the nail-scarred hands. And the only reason he's at the right hand of the Father is because he went through obedience through the cross. The only reason he has a name above every name is not because he was raised from the dead, but because he went through the cross. The song in heaven is not worthy as the resurrected one, but worthy as the Lamb 
that was slain for the sins of the world. Hallelujah. Can you not grasp that this morning? The focus in heaven is worthy as the Lamb that was slain. The church has gotten tired of that. That's old hat. We're beyond that. The guy overseas, we're beyond that. Yet he probably prays, Thy kingdom come. Let thy will be done on earth today as it, in, as it is in heaven. Yet we're past the Lamb. We're past the cross. Heaven's not past the cross, my friend. Oh, there's not a blood-stained cross there in heaven. That happened 2,000 years ago. But our faith must remain in what happened there. Hallelujah. And if it does, then and only then can you have the power of God working in your life. Anything outside of what I'm teaching this morning cannot be refuted with Scripture. And it's just make-believe and, and what I said, faking it till you make it. I did that for years. That's over. I want the reality of God's presence. Churches all over America today talking negative as the Judaizers that they are about churches like us claiming we're really not full of the Holy Spirit because we've gone back to preaching the cross. We've gone back to preaching the message that heaven is centered on. Right now, heaven is centered on. Heaven, right now, declares a song. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Not worthy is the one who come out the grave. Praise God He was resurrected. He had to be resurrected because He atoned for all sins. But the justification comes through the blood. The defeat of Satan comes through the blood. Hallelujah. Amen. Gave Himself for the sins of Curtis Hutchinson. See, the Bible becomes personal to me. I read it that way. I study it that way. I put my name in it because this is God's letter, not just to some church, churches 2,000 years ago almost, but this is God's letter to me. I'm His child. And He, you know what? It's a great miracle to get this Bible, this Word, down through the ages into my hands so I could know my God and the way of my God of salvation and the way of blessing of my God in sanctification. It's not... You you know, and the devil through the years have the devil has raised up men to start new religions and write new writings. That's all in an attempt, and it all is derived from that very first lie that the devil told. This is Catholicism. This is Mormonism. This is Jehovah's Witness. This is everything out there. The lie behind it all is: Did God really say? Yes, He really did. Hallelujah. He really did. And I'll just believe it and I'll experience the things that those that, that are under that lie. And they're all under that lie who've gone the way of Catholicism. God's not concerned about your culture. He's not concerned about anything but where your faith is. And your faith cannot be in Christ Jesus and being a pope or a priest that's a mediator, and it cannot be in Christ and you be praying to Mary. It cannot be in Christ while you think you have to work your way to heaven. Amen. The Bible says here, He gave Himself for our sins. I didn't come into this life to be able to work my way into salvation. He gave Himself for my sins. Glory to God. I didn't have to work for it. I, if I was a billionaire, God wouldn't accept billions. He only accepts faith 
in the blood of the Lamb, who gave himself for our sins. Why? That he might deliver us from this present evil world. And can I say to you, that's really twofold. He has delivered me right now. I'm in this world, but I'm no longer of this world. Praise be to God. And also, I heard Brother uh, Pastor Mark Gowire teach a good teaching on this in Ohio this past weekend. This was part of his teaching right here about God delivering us from this present evil age, uh, this world. That's what it means, age. And we're in an age right now. There's been ages past. We're in an age right now. And this age shall pass. And when the dust settles, my friend, the only thing that's going to make it through it is the Word of God and all those who have their faith in the living Word of God and what He did for them at Calvary. That's all that will stand. That's all that will be here when everything else is thrown into the lake of fire. The earth as we know it now, the Bible says, is not worthy of us. Hallelujah. That don't mean we're something. That means He's something. Hallelujah. It's because of Him. And this world is not worthy of us. This age and unbelief. They're not even worthy of us. Not because I'm something, but because of the Lord. Amen. We're delivered from this present evil age. You know what? This, this could preach. This could teach in sanctifying manner. Because everything that's got us bound, this Scripture lets us know that it don't have to. Deliverance is ours. I was delivered from this, 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 and this. And God is still attempting to deliver me from, well, I ain't got that many fingers. Hallelujah. But He is still going to be delivering me every day from this, from that. And you know what? Some of those things He's already delivered me from, they try to stick their head back up every once in a while. You ever seen them kids got one of them things, got a big old uh, hammer in their hand, and it pokes its head up, and whichever one sticks it up, you hit it, and you know, that's why we got that's like that old flesh. Every once in a while, something sticks its head up, and boy, the Lord says, there it is, Curtis, boom, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you for the blood. Hallelujah. (laughs) And you know what? That little old thing, that little scenario right there, it ain't stopping. It ain't ending till you see Christ. Because you're not perfect. And as I ministered Wednesday night, something very special and dear to my heart that I know the Lord gave me. You're not going to be perfect till you see Jesus. And the only experience of any type of perfection that we can have today is if our faith is in the cross and we're allowing Him, the perfect one, to work His perfect work of perfection in me. When the Bible says He will perform that work in us until the day of Christ, that word perform means He will perfect. He will perfect that until, that means it ain't going to happen until, until when? Until the day of Christ. Amen. So that means if I live 120 more years, I'm not going to be perfect till I see Jesus in 120 years. Lord, how imperfect am I, Brother Donnie? 120 years of knowing this message, believing this message, preaching this message, being conformed into His image and sanctified every day, maturing and growing and living another 120 years and still being imperfect. My Lord, that ought to give you some example of how messed up we are, how far we fail. But we have been delivered from this present evil age. Even though we're right here in it, God's delivered us. We don't have to listen to their music. We don't have to watch their stuff. We don't have to be uh, uh, fooled by the schemes of the devil who is the God of this age any longer. We can be in a place where we're walking in deliverance. 
Amen. When I well, listen, when I came back to Christ in 1994, when He was able to get a hold of me through the power of the the preaching of the cross, listen, everything just didn't fall off me at that moment. I had to begin to walk that out. Walk that out. There was hard times. There were struggles. There was, and there still is. Not over those things anymore. But because I just gave you a great idea of how messed up we are, if you live 500 more years, you're not going to be perfect till you see Jesus. Well, my Lord, how imperfect are we? Well, we don't really want to talk about that. <clears throat> but we have been delivered. Watch this. Who gave himself for our sins that we might, that he might. I can't deliver myself. And it tells us right here, the revelation of the cross is so powerful right here. He gave himself for our sins, that's the how, that he might deliver us from this present evil world. And that it is the will of God our Father for this to happen. You want to know what the will of God is for your life? Romans 8 teaches it. Be conformed to the image. Uh huh. The Bible, pretty stout in Romans 8 where it says, He foreknew those that he would predestinate to be his children, and it's those that he knew would be conformed in the image of his sons. It goes right along what Jesus taught. Just because you call me Lord, Lord, don't mean you go inherit the kingdom of heaven. It's those who do the will of the Father. Amen. And it's always about the work of the Holy Spirit in us, doing the work in us. There are so many people who, who get in trouble and horrible things come to their lives and then they just want to cry out to God and expect something mystical. They'll run and, and go to church about a month of Sundays in a row thinking that, well, now at least I'm back in. And they're, and they're thinking that because they're back in church, something they're doing, that God's going to get them out of this mess. Or now they're reading a chapter a day, God's going to get them out of this mess. They put money in the offering plate, God's going to get them out of this mess. We're only gotten out out of the mess through the blood of Jesus, through faith in the cross, not by going to church, giving money, not by, well, I thought the Bible says that if you bring tithes and offerings into the house of God, that He'll rebuke the devil on your behalf and open up the windows. It ain't about the money. It's about the object of faith. It's not about the money. The object of faith is what's happening in the storehouse, the meat that's in the storehouse. The message of the cross, the, us being able to partake of Christ only through faith in the cross. Everything else is mystical and magical. And I have a horrible fear that most of what's called Christianity is not even Christianity. I, I have a horrible fear that comes upon me sometimes. And I really truly think it's the Lord trying to get me to know something. He told me back in 1994 that most people that think they're saved are not even saved. And the most of the ones that think that, that are saved, truly are saved, have no idea about how to deal with sin in their lives. They do not know how to live for God. And I mean, I get that all the time. Pray for me. I'm in trouble. You know, and I always say... Remember what he did for you at Calvary. I gotta direct their faith back to the Lamb of God. There's where the power of the Holy Spirit comes in initially. There's where he has the liberty and the legal right to work daily in my life and to remind, not only to remind me, am I, have I been delivered from this present evil age it, when the end of this age comes, but also right now I am being delivered. If I'm not in that process, it's because my faith is not in the cross. And people hear this and say, well, my faith is in the cross. 
That's what they say. They get so belligerent. And I know because I was there. But their faith is really not in the cross. Because if they're sitting under a preacher that's not using God's Word to point to Christ, then how can their faith be in the cross when their preacher's not preaching the cross? Amen. And if your faith is in the cross and you're sitting under a preacher like that, you got to get up and get out, my friend. It's not God's will that you be there. Who gave himself, talks about the cross for our sins, that he might deliver us through the cross from this present evil world according to the will of God and our Father. How many of you know that Jesus... Uh, we've heard it said for years and years, and I've said this through the last 12 years of preaching this gospel, that, you know, we just have things in our head that we've, we've thought, we've heard, and break areas on the job and family gatherings. And, and because we don't know God's Word, we, we really don't know. We just go with bits and pieces of this here and there until, until God, we, one day we, we find ourselves in a mess and we start reaching, trying to find the Lord. And, and really, He's trying to get a hold of us. But we get desperate. And then when we do get in the Word of God, we say, My Lord, I, what have I known? Nothing! I listen to him and believe that, her and believe this, and I'll listen to my grandpa, my aunt, my everybody's spoken into my life, and it's all a bunch of jarbled, mixed up mess. And I've heard this saying all my life that before the world was made and, you know, everything is as we know it today, the Godhead sat around the table and, and was trying to figure out what they were going to do, and Jesus just said, hey, uh, I'll volunteer to go. That's not what happened. God the Father, because He loved the creation that He created. Let me, let me say that again. God the Father loved the creation that He created through His Son. That's what the Bible teaches. Oh yeah, Jesus, the one that created all things. But the Bible says God created all things by His Word. And Jesus, being that word, gave his son a command. And this command was to come and lay his life down for humanity. Do you get that? It wasn't just a, well, I don't know what's going to happen. And Jesus, because he's such a love, uh, loving guy, says, you know what? I'll volunteer to go do that. That's not what happened. Jesus was given a command. Because it was an act of obedience unto death. Who was he obeying? His father. What Jesus say? He says, no man has the power to take my life. That's why when they wanted to throw him off the cliff, a pile of them gathered up, wanted, got so mad at him, they wanted to throw him off the mountain. He just walked right through them. You ain't getting me. It ain't my time. You can't have me. They wanted to stone him. He walked right through it. The power of God was on him so greatly, and the, the, the Holy Spirit was working in him so mightily when they wanted to stone the girl and really wanted to stone him too. They dropped their rocks. It wasn't his time. Jesus said, no man has the power to take my life. No man can take my life. But I've been given the power. You need to grasp this this morning. I've been given the power to lay it down. I've been given the command to lay it down and to raise it up again. I've been given the power to lay it down 
and to raise it up again because I have this commandment of the Father. As long as we're walking in obedience to God's Word, which comes only through our faith in the cross, you'll have the power of God to see God's will done in your life. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, but Christ can't strengthen me unless my faith is in the cross. You see, the cross of Christ is the truth that liberated us. Jesus said, when you know the truth, the truth will make you free. He claimed to be the truth. He claimed God's Word is truth. So what about Jesus? What about God's Word is it that liberates me, that turns Genesis to Revelation into my law of liberty? What He did at Calvary. Alone. Alone. When He had by Himself purged us of our sins. When He gave Himself alone for our sins that we might be delivered not only from sin, but from every false thought that's derived from sin. False doctrines are always caused by sin. False doctrines are always caused by sin, because all false doctrine functions and exists because of a lack of faith in the right object, the cross. Did you hear me this morning? All false doctrine, all false ministries, all false prophets are there because their faith is not in the cross. Even those that have preached the cross among us and who've now departed, and they claim they still preach the cross, but they don't. They preach now there's no rapture. Now the, the uh, Israel is real. There's no ethnic group. And, and they, all the, that's what they preach now because this is what I know. If you preach the cross, you're not going to tr- start trying to change doctrine that's been here throughout the ages. If you go preach the cross, my friend, preach the cross. What does that mean? That means open your Bible and let the Holy Spirit show you Jesus and what it is about Jesus that will make God's written Word a lamp to your feet, the bread for your soul, the light for your path. Hallelujah. Because without the blood, the Word of God means nothing to anyone. Without our faith in the blood, we experience no initial or daily deliverance from this world. That's why they people cannot get delivered from bondages in their life. Because we only walk in a place of deliverance due to a growing revelation of Christ and Him crucified. Deliverance only happens as we walk in this revelation of Christ and Him crucified. You might say, well, when I first got saved, things just fell off. Yeah, because you got saved through faith in the cross of Christ. But now God's expecting you, commanding you, demanding you, walk with your faith unmoved from the cross of Jesus Christ. Amen. So that you can experience this deliverance that's been provided for you. Well, I hope you took lots of notes. I hope you got something out of this today. Better than that, I know you did if you were listening, if you had ears to hear. And God is good. Amen. Praise God. We will love you. We're praying for you. And I pray that God would be the provision. You'd find His mercies as new and tender for you and His grace today in your life marvelous and greater and sufficient than ever before. God bless you till next week. See you later.